Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're starting a new series. And so this is, uh, we don't typically, or I don't typically go verse by verse, but as we go through Romans chapter 12, uh, we're going to just pull apart some key verses uh, to look at together, and uh, I'm, I'm going uh, to walk through, and today we're only going to get through one verse, all right? We're just going Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1, and that's it. So we're going to go, and we're going to title this uh, for the sake of, of our message in this verse today, Through the Lens of Mercy, Through the Lens of Mercy. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Or another translation says, this is your reasonable service. This is your reasonable service. Now, we're going to jump into this passage, and, and I, I have to say this, is that most people, when we study Romans chapter 12, they link verse 1 and verse 2 together. Because many of us know verse 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. But for this message specifically, we needed to separate them, because if we don't separate them, we'll think that everything that we do, that the command to do in chapter 1, has a a result in chapter 2, but that's not the case. Everything that we're doing as a living sacrifice in verse 1 does not mean that we're transformed in verse 2. There's actually a different order that we want to unwind for you. Paul is the author uh, of Romans, and so I I love Paul. I love the book of Romans, one of the most theological books in the Bible uh, as far as our Christian doctrine and faith, and uh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, I love Paul a lot. My wife loves Paul way more than I do, and uh, she's over there in Wiley, and um, I'm going to tell you that there's three men, I'm just going to be honest with you, there's three men in my life that I'm threatened by when it comes to Jamie and I's marriage, okay? I'm just going to be real vulnerable with you. Uh, One is Moses. Someone once got us a bobblehead Moses doll because my wife likes Moses so much. My wife wanted to put it up in our bedroom. Yeah, that's totally weird. That did not happen. That Moses doll disappeared somewhere. I don't know where it's at. It's gone. So Moses, I'm a little threatened by Moses. We've been married over 10 years. I feel really good about our marriage. I love her so much, but I am a little threatened by Moses, her love for Moses. I'm a little threatened by Pete Delkis. I'm just being, being real with you. Uh, Channel 8, you know, Pete. Just, if Pete starts coming to our church, I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to have to, like, warn him. Like, you just keep your distance from my wife, please. And the third one is Paul. And to, luckily, two of the three are dead, so I don't got to worry about those ones. But Pete, I'm watching you, all right? And, but Paul is such a great intellectual. When he begins to unpack theology and, and, our, and our doctrine, it is amazing. And he begins to walk through Romans uh, chapter 1, chapter 2, and we'll talk about this in detail. But in chapter 12, there is a pivot, and it starts out with the words, therefore, I urge you. Now, wherever you see a therefore in Scripture, you have to see what it's there for. I know, it's deep in here this morning. 
You, you, you got to see what it's there for. This is the fourth therefore in the book of Romans, and they call this the therefore of dedication. Because between chapter 1 and chapter 11, it is a buildup of Christian doctrine, and in chapter 12, it begins to pivot to a place of now, this is requiring something of me. Now I need to do something. And it says, therefore, I urge you. There's been 11 chapters of doctrine, and now Paul makes this pivot on what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live, and he says, I urge you. In the King James Version, he says, I beseech you. In the message, paraphrase translation, it says this, just real clear, this is what I want you to do. Just, just, just not, I like things straight. I don't know if anybody else is like that. Just tell me, all right? Just, just, just shoot straight with me. That, that's what the message says. This. Okay, this is what... I want you to do. And it says this, in view of God's mercy. I think this is the most pivotal phrase in the entire chapter. In view, and we will reference this for the coming weeks, in view of God's mercy. Now, everything that's about to come after this is with the perspective or with the viewpoint of the mercies of God. And the mercies of God have been summed up in the first chapters, chapter 1 through 11. It's talked about justification, justification through faith. It's talked about how we're saved, how we're forgiven, how we walk free. It gives us all of that. And in chapter 12, we see the pivot. And now Paul says this. He says, in view of God's mercy, and then he begins to unwind the rest of the scripture. Let me tell you about God's mercy. God's mercy is that he saw the human condition and that we could not solve for the sin issue. He saw that we could not help ourselves, so he saw fit to send Jesus. Now, many of you know this scripture, one of the most popular scriptures in all the Bible, John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, i got to stop here because this is something I reference a lot. It's one of my favorite parts of the scripture, that Jesus came for a chance for us to say yes. So God saw so much value in us that he said, I'm going to send Jesus for whosoever will. He didn't even say, and all will. I don't know, if I'm going to sacrifice my son, I want a big ROI, return on investment. I want to make sure that I'm getting a good return for my sacrifice. Value is this. Value is determined by what someone will pay for it. And God saw enough value in us that he sent Jesus to redeem us. He saw enough value in us. And this is the wild part, is that he saw enough value not in the cleaned up version of us. He saw enough value in the current version of us, our past version, our college version, our high school version, our previous marriage version, our la- whatever it was, he saw that in Romans chapter 5, it tells us that God actually demonstrated his love for us in that time. When we were at our worst, while we were still sinners, it says Christ died for us. Now, I know some of you, your heads are spinning already. Some of you are like geeking out like, just let's talk about the word for the next three hours. But I want to unpack some things because I want to say this. If we don't catch this part, you'll miss everything else because it says, in view of God's mercies. I'm going to show you what this is. This is a perspective. 
I didn't, you know, I might wear these. You know those guys at the gym that wear uh, sunglasses like in the gym? It's just like, what are you doing? That's weird. Stop. Take those off. If you're one of those guys, take them off. Stop. Like, don't do that. Sunglasses should not be worn inside. Uh, although I saw somebody during worship put on their sunglasses. Like, I don't want those lights to hit me one more time. Uh, anyways, in view of God's mercy. I'm going to tell you what in view of God's mercy, mercy means. I'm putting on the lens of mercy. So that everything I see, I see through Jesus' sacrifice for me. So whenever I'm asked to do something, whenever I'm asked to, to respond, whenever I'm asked, as we know the scripture goes on to say, to be a sacrifice, the way that I respond to that is in view of God's mercy, which means the price that was paid for me. Value is determined by how much someone will pay for something. And God saw fit to pay for us with his son. I don't know if any of you saw this uh, recently. There's a football player who lost a dread, like a dreadlock, on the field. And somebody found it, a fan found it. And they put it on eBay. By the end of the day, it was up over $1,000 on eBay. By the end of the weekend, $10,000 for one dreadlock. Now, if I told you I had a dreadlock in the office and we took an auction right here, I don't know if you guys would be that interested. But value is determined by what someone will pay for it. And because of who, of who it belonged to, the value went up and people were willing to pay for something that was not very valuable, a high price, and that set its value. So whatever God paid for you set your value. Your value now is determined by what has been paid for you, and that's with the precious blood of Jesus. Romans chapter 1, this is in the very beginning. Okay, we're going to go through this quick. Romans chapter 1 talks about the gospel being the power of God. Romans chapter 2 talks about God's righteous judgment. It's written to admonish the Jews that living by the law and circumcision does not make our works do not make us righteous. Chapter 3 says righteousness teaches us that righteousness is apart from the law. It completes the accusation that both the Jews and the Gentiles are guilty before God. We all have sinned. Romans chapter 4 means it talks about us being justified by faith. Romans chapter 5 is the result of justification by faith, which means that believers have been made righteous, holy, and acceptable before God. Romans chapter 6 tells us that we can have freedom from sin. Romans chapter 7 says we're married to Christ. It shows us the contrast between living bound to the law and living by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 talks about life in the Spirit. Romans chapter 9 tells us we're children of the promise. Or other, other words, we're heirs of God through faith in Christ. It teaches us that the promise comes through faith in Christ alone. And again, not by the works of the law. Romans chapter 10 teaches us by confessing with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and by, by, by believing this in our hearts, we are saved. Nothing more and nothing less. Chapter 11 talks about a remnant of Israel that discusses although Israel as a whole rejected Jesus as the Messiah, there is still a remnant chosen by grace, which means that anyone who says yes to Jesus has the opportunity at a relationship with him. Chapter 1, 2, 3, all the way through 11, talk about the doctrine of our Christian faith. And then they weigh, if there was a scale up here, they actually weigh out how powerful the mercy of God is. And then Paul says, now, 
therefore, therefore. What is it, therefore? Therefore, after 11 chapters and the mercy of God is piled up, therefore, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy or with your mercy lens on, it says, with, off to offer your bodies. Now, this is the interesting part. It says, this is the first time in Scripture where we were supposed to offer our own sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, when you needed forgiveness of your sins, you would come before the priest and you would bring a sacrifice. The priest would then kill that sacrifice and they would offer it to God for you. You didn't offer it yourself. They offered it for you. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You ever wonder why they talk about the blood of Jesus and blood in church? Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And this dates all the way back to the book of Genesis, when in Genesis, Adam and Eve are running around free and naked, just loving life, nice breeze, and, and uh, you know, they're just enjoying it. And they sin. And it says that God covered their nakedness with the skins of animals. It was the first ever in history shedding of blood. When the blood was shed, it covered, it was a type and shadow of what Jesus would do for each and every one of us. It covered their nakedness. This is what the blood of Jesus does for me and for you. It covers our nakedness. So it says, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies, which means this. No longer do you have to go to the pastor and say, could you offer my sacrifice for me? Now it's up to us. It's up to each of us individually to say, I am going to offer my life as a sacrifice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give of myself to you. And this word to offer actually means to present yourself once and for all. You know how we are sometimes. We make like lofty goals and, and, and vows to God like we're in a great service and we get challenged and convicted and we're like, God, I am going to go on a diet. I'm going to live healthy or I'm going to read my Bible every day for the rest of my life. I'm going to pray four hours a day every day until I die. We start saying these things and then you have to live it out. But this offering is not about a rash vow or a rash promise that says, I'm going to do this. It is a presenting yourself once and for all. It's likened to a vow at a wedding to say, I'm giving myself. Now, if I were telling you that God wants all of you, I mean, he wants a vow. He wants you to present yourself, like your body, your life, your agenda, your dreams, your ambition. He wants all of that. Some of us, we would think, man, that's a lot to ask for. Unless... You see it through what he has already done. When you see what he's already done, he's like, oh, you're only asking for that? That, that becomes easy if I can look through the lens of mercy. Now, there's a couple different sacrifices that it, that it mentions in the scripture. It says in verse 1, it says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, this is, this is really interesting because everyone, everyone knew about sacrifices and everyone knew that sacrifices were dead. You would kill something, the shedding of the blood, but when Jesus died and he rose again, he stopped forever the need for a sacrifice to be given by people because he, the Hebrews teaches us, was the ultimate sacrifice. He was one sacrifice for all. This sacrifice is not about the taking of life. 
It is about the giving of life. It is the first time in Scripture where they're not saying, we're going to kill something. They're saying, I want you to give of your living life. You know what I find is a lot of people say, man, I'll, man I'll die for, I would die for this, the gospel. I would be a martyr. I would die, but we have a hard time living. We, we can stand up in a moment and die for the gospel. We just have a hard time living it out day by day. What Paul is saying, he's saying through the lens of mercy, because everything that God's done for you, live now as a living sacrifice. I've offered my body once and for all. I'm giving myself to you, God. I'm giving myself to you, and I'm a living sacrifice. Not just Sundays, not just Wednesdays. Not just every once in a while, but 24-7, 365, I am a living sacrifice. This is the therefore of dedication. God wants every part of you. He wants every piece of you. He wants your emotion. He wants your ambition. He wants your finances. He wants your dreams. And all of you might think that's selfish. Unless you have the mercy glasses on. And you see, the only way that I found this life or have this life is in view of God's mercy. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8 through 14. I love the book of Hebrews. It says, first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have, I want you to hear this, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. We have been made holy, or we have been made righteous through Jesus. Now, some of this is elementary to some of you, but I think that if we can grasp this, it'll change the motivation in which we pursue Jesus. Because I think that most people are dedicated to Jesus or dedicated to the, to the gospel or dedicated to the work of God. They're dedicated to get something. They're dedicated to attain something. Because if, I, if I'm not holy, then God's not going to be pleased with me. But we don't understand that this scripture says you've been made holy. So God wants a living sacrifice. Secondly, and we'll explain this further, he wants a holy sacrifice. He says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. Holy, holy means set apart. Now, if we took a poll across this room and, and we said, who in here thinks that you are holy? I think we would have not that many people respond and raise their hands. I mean, maybe some of you in Wiley, I know you're real righteous, like maybe, but, but it's, most of us would not say we're holy, but that's the living sacrifice that God's asking for. So how do we be something and give something to him that we are not? How do we do this? Let me show you this. I need two volunteers just real fast. Uh, come on, Cole. Yeah, Pastor Cam, jump up here real, real quick. Cole, you come over here. 
um, you're going to love this, bro. You get to be holiness, all right? This is holiness incarnate. And so uh, that's amazing. This is, this, is, this is God, okay? This is the Godfather. Um, and, and so I, I want to show you something because I think this is kind of our perspective of a lot of times is in order to get to God, he asks for me to be holy, right? So in order to get to God, I got to run after holiness, I got to do better, I got to be better, I got to pray more, I got to read the Bible more, I got to, it, all that's good, but my motive is I want to get to holiness so that I can get to God, but I want to just flip this around, because this scripture in Hebrews says you have been made holy, so I'm trying to attain holiness so that I can get to God, but God is waiting for me to come to him because I have been made holy. I don't know about you, but I still mess up every once in a while. I still sin once in a while. I still lose my temper once in a while. I still get impatient once in a while. So how am I supposed to be a living sacrifice that's holy? I can be living. I'm alive. I'm here. But to be holy poses a problem because... I think that I have to, you, you, ever, you ever felt guilty? You ever felt guilty coming to church and you, you know where you've been over the weekend? You're like, oh man, I don't know if God's happy with me or not. Like you're looking around to see if anybody saw you where you were this weekend. You're like, oh no, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. Going to the next service. Because you think that God's acceptance of you is based on your holiness. But I want to help somebody because God's acceptance of you does not change based on your holiness. God's acceptance of you is based on a sacrifice that has already been made, and that sacrifice was Jesus. Or, in other words, that was mercy. That was mercy, and mercy piled up. So many of us in the Christian faith, we're, we're just after holiness. I just got to do better. I didn't read my Bible today. I don't even know if I can hear God. Man, I didn't pray as much as I wanted to, so I don't know if God's really happy with me. Oh, I looked at this. I went there. I did this. I did that. So I'm coming into worship, and I'm, I'm almost like ashamed because I haven't got to holiness. So how can I get to God? But you have to understand this is that when Jesus died, that was the mercy of God. That was his grace that extended. So now we get to walk with holiness towards God. Even though I'm not holy, Jesus is. And the blood of Jesus covers my mistakes. It covers my sin. It covers my, my problems. It covers my deviances. It covers my temper. It covers all of that. It so when God the Father looks at me, he does not see my mistakes. He sees his son. So people say, well, does that mean I can just sin? He doesn't see it. No, see, this, you, you get it totally wrong if you don't put the mercy glasses on. Because when I see what he did for me, I want to serve him. I want to please him. But the truth of the matter is I'm not going to be perfect, so his grace covers my imperfection. So now I can be holy, and I can walk towards God, and I can have, Hebrews says, full confidence or I can have boldness to approach the throne of grace because I have been made holy. You know, I think wrong teaching, wrong doctrine has gotten the way sometimes of us serving God out of the right heart. Because 
Now, I will say that sometimes serving God out of fear will keep you out of trouble. I'm just going to say, sometimes that works. But it's the wrong motivation. I, I've got to... I've got to run after God because of my acceptance, not to gain my acceptance. And I think that some of us, we live to get pleasure from God, failing to recognize that pleasure from God was already given when mercy was dumped out on the scale. A mercy by the name of Jesus was laid on a scale that tipped everything. And now whenever God asks anything of me in view of God's mercy, yeah, I'll be a living sacrifice. I'll be holy. I'll be pleasing. So let me just look at this just for a second. It says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, this is the command to be holy. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desire you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So what do you do with a command like that? Be holy as I am holy. I know I'm not that. I know I'm not holy like he is holy. I want you to see this. When God asks you for holiness, it is not for him. It's for you. When God, I'm going to help somebody right now. If God's asking holiness from you, it's not for him. God doesn't like feel more confident on his throne because you've been holy. I'm like, man, I feel, man, I feel like, I feel like God today. Boy, I feel like, I feel like God Almighty. I feel like, no, he's still God Almighty whether you're holy or not. I mean, he's not threatened by your unholiness. He's not threatened by your dysfunction. He's not. Let me read this to you. Your holiness changes your heart towards God, but doesn't change God's heart towards you. So that means if I have a bad day, God's just as pleased with me as when I have a good day. That means that my whole, why does God want you to be holy? Because he wants you to be free. Why does God want me to be holy? Because he wants me to be free. He is not wanting me to be holy so it will empower him to be more confident in the living sacrifice that he has here walking the earth. God's good, with me or without me. He's all right. He's still holy. He's still almighty. He is okay. He wants me to be holy for him. And when he recognizes that the sacrifice of mercy has been poured out, it enables us to be holy. And this brings us to number three, and I'll show you one more thing. Come back over here for one second. I'll show you one more thing. It says, this is the type of sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. Now, this is a wild thing about a pleasing sacrifice is to be a pleasing sacrifice or an acceptable sacrifice, it had to be pure and it had to be spotless. So, I am a living sacrifice, I realize that I'm not getting to holiness to get to God. I've been made holy. But in order to please God, what do I do when I'm on the journey and I mess up? Now what do I do? This is where pleasing God comes in. Because the Bible teaches us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that means as I'm walking along this road and I stumble or I mess up, it takes faith. Many of us think it's like it takes faith to get up and keep on going. Yes, it does. But faith is believing in the sacrifice of Jesus to cover what I can't cover, to make up for what I can't make up for. So the love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, it but I have to have faith because when I come before God, 
I know that he sees all of my imperfection. So why do I need faith? I need to have faith that Jesus is my go-between, that he is my mediator, that he has covered what I could not. It doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't mean that I didn't mess up. It doesn't mean I should try more tomorrow. It doesn't mean that I should try to be holy as he is holy. It means that I have to have faith in order to be pleasing. You guys can sit down for a second. We don't move towards holiness. We walk from holiness. You have been made. Does this make sense to anybody? We don't move I'm, I'm going to get holy one day. I'm going to get, this is how I grew up. This is what I tried to be. It's like, I'm going to be holy one day. I'm going to be holy. No, don't look at anything. Be pure. Don't think about anything. Literally have no thoughts. Don't think. I mean, say like, it does not work. But I wanted to be holy because I, I really loved God. And I wanted him to use me. And I didn't think that he could use me if I wasn't holy. Because I didn't understand that in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing or acceptable to God. A pleasing sacrifice. If we sin, we need a Savior. And the faith to believe that he can forgive us of that sin. Your faith in Jesus pleases God. It is impossible to please God aside from faith. It's impossible to please God aside from faith. It is your faith that brings, well, I thought it was my holiness. that. No, no, it's your faith that pleases God. Does he want us to live holy? He says, yes, be holy as I am holy. But it's, it's impossible. Romans chapter 3 says that we've all sinned and we all fall short. So what do we do? We need the grace, right? We need the grace of Jesus that covers our sin. We need faith to believe that that blood covers us so that we can come before his throne with confidence. Now, I want to say all that to say this as we begin to close. All of the mercies of God, I mean, all his grace that he's given to us, all of the pleasure that he's given to us, all, everything that he's done, the sacrifices, the scripture goes on, and this is how it ends. It says, this is your true and proper worship, or Another translation says, this is your reasonable service. So you being a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, is your reasonable service. Now, if you look up that scripture in the Greek, in the Greek, the, re- the word reasonable is the word logikos, which is where we get our word in the English vocabulary, logical. So he says, in view of of God's mercy, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, is the only logical response. So I'm not living for God to get something from God. I'm living for God as a response of the mercy of God. And if I don't look through the lens of mercy, I think that God's a cruel God wanting all of me for his own pleasure, for his own kingdom. But when I put on the mercy glasses, and I look at everything that he did, my response is to worship him. In view of God's mercy, us being a living sacrifice is the only logical response. I hear people all the time like debating, like, man, I just don't know if I can go all out for God. You know, I've tried church, tried God, I just don't know. And you know what, that, I, that's totally understandable if you've never seen 
the mercy of God. It's totally understandable to weigh out your sacrifice if you have not seen the weight of the mercy of God because this is, this, is how it, this is how it works. If I had a scale up here and we put all the mercy of God all on there and it would weigh it down and then we put like everything that we're walking through up here. I think that sometimes we think that we've walked through so much that it would just tip the scale. But I don't know if we've really seen what the mercy of God did for us. Because some of us, like, we're really happy that we made it to church this Sunday. And we're kind of feeling good, like, this is my third Sunday in a row, Pastor. I've been to Connect class. I went to a group midweek. And I was actually in the first service, and now I'm in the second service. Double dipping. And we feel good about ourselves. And God, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what he's doing, but for me, I would think that he's kind of like, seems reasonable See, well God I'm going to be a missionary and I, you call me to be a missionary I'm going to sell everything I'm going to go to the mission field I'm going to live in a hut I'm going to live with no belong I'm not going to wear shoes for three years I'm gonna, and God's going seems logical you say no you don't understand God I'm going to really sacrifice for you I'm quitting my well paying job I'm going to go into ministry you see what I'm doing I preach to these people every week I'm praying, I'm seeking you. Got to put on a smile when they complain, when they whine. And he's like, seems logical. See, we weigh our sacrifice based on what we think we deserve, not based on the mercy of God. That's why Romans chapter 12, when it pivots, it says, in view of God's mercy and that is why we have to for the rest of this series and really for our perspective of the Lord always put on the mercy glasses as I poke my eye out put on the mercy glasses so that we see everything when God asked me to do something I see it through the lens of what he did for me see my worship is not a tip to God it's a response to God my sacrifice is not something I do because I'm a great person. My sacrifice is response to his sacrifice. Last time I checked, Jesus picked up his cross and he carried it and he died on it. So the least that I could do is pick up my cross and carry it and lay my life down on it. And God, I'll be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. This is my reasonable service. This is my logical service. I wish somebody could see how great the mercy of God is and how great his grace is that found us and saved us and in light of everything he did, this Christian life seems really logical. We thought we were doing so much for God. I'm not trying to discourage you, but we thought we were doing so much for God, but maybe it's just what's reasonable for everything he did for us. What we call it in our community, we call it this, having a want to instead of a have to. We have way too many have-to Christians. We got way too many have-to worshipers. We got way too much obligation and not enough adoration. We got people that have to. We got people that are proud and people that are happy that they just showed up and people that think God owes them something and they've never put on the glasses. They've never put on the lens because when you see 
when you see that mercy, then you say, God, what do you want? I'm yours. You need a missionary, I'm your guy. You need a pastor, I'm your guy. You need a businessman, I'm your guy. You need a dad, I'm your guy. You need a husband, I'm your guy. Whatever you're asking of me, I will give to you because in view of God's mercy, it's my only logical response. It is my only rational response. It is the only thing that I can really logically do after I've seen that. When you see that, it ruins you. This is the value that God put on you is that he thought you were so great and he thought that you were so worth it that he said, I'll sacrifice Jesus for a chance that these people would say yes. Man, if that doesn't get you, I don't know what will. My right living is a response to love, not an attempt to gain love. Can I just free somebody up? It's just trying to gain love from God. You have it. It's free of charge. That's the mercy of God. Grace means unmerited favor, which means undeserved. So you have it. You didn't deserve it, but you have it. We didn't deserve his mercy, but he gave it because he loved us that much. He loved us that much. And now I got to live my life like this. When I look at my job, I gotta look at it through the lens. When I look at my family, I gotta look at it through the lens. When I look at what God's asking me to do, I gotta look through the lens. When I got when I look at what God's asking me to give, I gotta look through the lens. When I gotta look at what God's asking me to be, I've gotta look through the lens of mercy. And then all my have-tos dissolve into want-tos. I get to worship. I get to live. I get to be a sacrifice. I get to be used by God. I get to build the kingdom. I get to be a part. I get to be on the front lines. I get to lay my life down. I get to choose him. I get to say yes to him. That's what I get to do because of his great mercies. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.